Hi, this is Jacob, and welcome to episode 24 of the Clown Chat Podcast. Now, this is going to be an episode um, just going over the uh, the NBA Draft Lottery result from last night, and um, just kind of going into where we are with that, um, and just what are the effects of what happened, and who won and who lost. We're going to kind of get into um, some of those topics um, here on episode 24. First of all, uh, we've been forgetting to do our, um, our sponsors lately, so real quick, we'll uh, we'll get those in. Uh, show off training, train with purpose. Uh, go check out their site. They've got uh, they've got Facebook Live classes. They've got merch. You know, go go check out all that. Then you've got a uh, per36.com um, best basketball analytics website on the internet uh, go check them out I believe their latest thing is about uh, crowd sizes in the playoffs so um, check that out and then yeah let's get into it so um, obviously this draft is um, for those who haven't been following the draft it is a loaded draft you're talking in the, in the chat today kind of about, you know, what are some of the best draft classes of all time? And, um, you know, 1984-1996-2003-2018-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2009-2
they are the lucky winner today. It's going to be their first top pick since 1970. And I think this is a really good result for the league, too. Just in terms of, like, you look at the Pistons roster, right? And it's like, they're, they're like the least, one of the least interesting teams in the league. Like, there's just not a lot of, like, star potential on that roster. Like, you know, Sadiq Bey and, and Isaiah Stewart, who they picked last year, look like good role players. So, I mean, that was a, uh, that was a, a, you know, good picks by them for sure. And then you have Killian Hayes, who is interesting. He was their point guard, number seven overall last year. He had an uneven rookie season, but, you know, they're going to be patient with him. And then the Jeremy Grant, the, the free agent they brought in, you know, had a really good season. But, you know, they really do need that star. And they're they got lucky there in position to draft and it's kind of cool because it's it's like a historic franchise too and as a you know as a celtics fan i i can appreciate that like we always used to have a rivalry with detroit back in the 80s um you know we played in the conference finals in 2008 so there was that going on um you know, they're a team just like us that won titles in the 80s and also the 2000s. So, um, I, 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 you know, I, I respect that that legacy. And, um, you know, maybe we can have a rivalry someday again with, with, um, with, with, with the Jays and their choice here. So, um, I anticipate they're going to go with Cade. I don't think this should be too hard. Um, probably will be some questions with his fit um, with Killian Hayes, but I don't think that's this early in their rebuild. I don't think that's good enough uh, reason to pass on Cade. And multiple ball handlers, you know, can be a thing that you can make work anyway. And Cunningham defensively, he's 6'8". He's going to be able to guard bigger players. You probably could play him as a pure point guard if you wanted to, but he can also, you know, defend twos and threes, and you can play him there and just give him the ball. A lot of the time so um i definitely think uh this should not be uh too difficult uh kate cunningham is i think definitely going to go to the pistons and um you know congrats to the pistons they're uh they're they're big winners after yesterday um i'm sure they'll be bad again next year and they'll probably be back in the lottery again but it'll just be an opportunity to, to strengthen their core and down the line you know who knows they could be a really good team so, number two, we have Houston. And this one's interesting because this is that first pick of that, like, next tier. And by the way, Houston's also a winner because even though they had the worst record and fell to the second pick, right, they could have, if they'd fallen to five, then they would have had to swap their pick with Miami's pick with OKC. <laughs> so that would have been, then they would have essentially gotten the 18th pick. So it would have just been, um, you know, pretty disastrous for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, they all, you know, so they're, they're, they're in a good spot there and they're still going to get a great player here. Um, seems to be the consensus is they're going to take Evan Mobley, which he's probably the second best prospect. That would definitely make some sense. Um, really they could go with any of the three here, um, and they make sense in the team. Houston very early in this process. Really, the only, the only real like, key core piece I even think is on that team right now is is like Christian Wood. And there would be some questions about Wood and Mobley's they fit together, but honestly, they're so early in this process, and Christian Wood is on such a great contract. I definitely think trading him at some point here is not going to be out of the question. So. Um, you know, to get value for that, considering you're in a deep rebuild. I mean, like, what's on your roster that's going to help you win? It's like John Wall and Eric Gordon are on bad contracts. Um, you have... You already traded P.J. Tucker. You already traded Robert Covington. Like... Really, what you have... What you have is Christian Wood in his pick. 
and Wood is 26. So does he fit your age timeline? I think that's a very fair question. Now, if you think he does, and you, you, you don't think they fit together, and you want to take, you know, one of the guards, that's a very defensible choice. They're going to be great players too. And they could also trade down. They're early enough in this process where if, let's say, the Orlando Magic call. Orlando has picks 5 and 8, and we'll get into them. But if they call on are like, hey, we'll give you both of those picks if you give us the second pick because we see a guy up here that we really want. I don't think they would probably do that because they probably like <coughs> they probably like the guy they're going to get enough but it's an interesting debate it's an interesting debate and it could be considering the drop off from five to eight you know i don't know how you know they might be willing to use that eighth pick as a sweetener i don't know and mobley would be a weird fit for the magic i think they go after someone else too i don't know it's it's an interesting thought, but my guess right now is that the Rockets are going to do the simple thing, ignore fit questions, take Mobley, and then potentially down the line, you know, this offseason, Christian Wood would be, Christian Wood would be, would have been a definite, definite interesting possibility for the Celtics, Celtics, um, but after the Al Horford pickup, we already have too many big men. I don't think we're going to be interested in adding another one. So my guess would be that we're not the team to do that, but somebody is, is going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting possibility. Or or you make it work together. They might be able to play together. I don't know. So, um. But yeah, it was a good lottery for Houston. I don't know, um, you know, so they dodged the first bullet of, of the pick swaps from the Westbrook trade. I don't know what their conditions are going to be next year. Um, I do know that they're going to be getting their first pick for uh, from the Harden trade next year, and it's going to be, it'll be a swap. So they'll have um, the better of the Nets pick and the Heat's pick. And... Um, the the, the um, Rockets also have Milwaukee's pick and the Blazers pick this year from trades for Covington and Tucker. So wouldn't be surprised given that you've got two picks out of twenty. Wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to package those and move up if they discussed that. So we'll see what happens there. Then you've got um, then you've got Cleveland. This is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one for the Cavs. Because you have a team that is probably going to be facing pressure to win soon, even though they're not ready yet. <laughs> um, but they're in a position here. It's, it's interesting because they have, they have like five core starters already of their young core. They have the backcourt of Garland and Sexton. They have um, they have Isaac Okoro who's like a really good defender at the three. They have um, they have Jared Allen at the five who they just traded for and are probably going to pay this summer and he, he's a really intriguing center. And then they have uh, they have Larry Nance who, you know, is a potential trade candidate, but probably not um, because of, of what he means to their franchise at the four. So the possibilities here are interesting. I think given, obviously, I don't think they would take Mobley. I'll say that. I don't really think if you are going to keep Allen. I don't know how Mobley makes sense. However, so I would think if, obviously if the Rockets go with Green or Suggs, I think the Cavs probably take whoever's left. 
um, if if they're both there, then they would get their choice, and that's an interesting one. Um, obviously, the Cavs a winner and all this to jump up, you know, in the lottery, you know, to get one of these guys. Um, so, but just looking at their situation and looking at the fit questions of having Darius Garland and Colin Sexton on the same team. I definitely, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of those guys is gone this summer. I don't know which one. Probably some of it depends on the offers, but I think if you're the Cavs, I think trading one of those guys is probably going to make sense. Commit to the other one as your point guard, and then, um, you know, obviously Suggs and um, Green offer different things for your team. Green, more of the scorer. And you've got uh, Suggs is more of like the playmaker, you know, defender who, who who's maybe a little smaller. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know which one they're going to pick. My gut says they're going to go with Green just because he's the better, the better scorer and has more size and is more of the traditional two guard. But I don't know. They could de- that's a team that could definitely use, especially if Sexton is the guard they keep, right? You know, he's gotten buckets, but he's not as much of a playmaker, so that they could in theory use that Sug skill set on their team. And he might bring kind of a winning culture there that, that they just haven't had since LeBron left. It's an interesting thought, but I would guess they would go with Green. That's just a guess though. But I'm under the assumption that they're definitely going to be open to trading one of these guards because it's it's just we saw what's happening. I think their idea was right. Like, let's duplicate the Blazers. Let's take what's going on in Portland with with, with McCollum and Lillard and see if we can duplicate it for us. Well, we saw how that worked out for the Blazers in the playoffs. It's just not good enough defensively. So if I'm the Cavs, you're early enough in this thing. You have an opportunity now to kind of reset that a little bit. I think they'd be making a mistake if they didn't take it. So it's interesting. I don't know which one of those guys they'd be more open to trading. Obviously, Sexton would do more to reset them like financially because he's about to come up for his extension. So if you don't, if you don't want to resign him, now's the time, right? Whereas Garland... You're maybe, if you're another team, you're betting more on his potential a little bit. Sexton is a little further along. He's done it in the league. He's scored over 20 a game. But, um, you know, a lot of other questions around, you know, how easy Sexton is to play with and, and things like that. So, as far as what they could get, credit to T for mentioning this on the on the pod a couple days ago. Because I think this this was a good idea that I didn't even think of, and that is Cleveland is a Ben Simmons destination. Now, obviously, Kevin Love's contract would have to be involved, and that would would make things, uh, shall we say, a little bit more difficult. However, well, I, I'd have to look at the... Uh, the financials for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna come back and record uh, the next part of the podcast here. Okay, so we're back. I did my uh, did my research into this, and it looks like there is a Simmons trade with the Cavs that would make some sense. So you actually don't need to include Kevin Love in the deal, um, because there's some other salary that can be used. So here's what I think the trade would be. For Simmons to the Cavs. So Cavs would get Ben Simmons. And the Sixers would get Colin Sexton. Torian Prince's $13 million expiring contract. And then uh, Chetty Osman. Um, who's making $8 million for the next three years. Um, obviously... The way that would set up is is it would kind of dovetail nicely. Prince's Prince would be coming up right when you've got to pay Colin Sexton, 
And then Osmond is, you know, a rotation wing that you can plug in and, uh, you know, might be on a slightly bad contract, but, you know, you can kind of take him on and, um, you know, he can at least be a rotation player for you. So, of course, with Prince and Osmond arriving, maybe the Sixers decide not to keep Danny Green or maybe they only keep Danny Green for a year or whatever, but... Um, they they may decide that they don't need him as a piece or, or maybe something else. Happens. I don't know. But, um, or, you know, you could, you know, include a Larry Nance in the trade. There's a lot of different things that you can do besides including Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love, you'd have to have Garland be the guard. And I just don't know, you know, the, the Sixers are trying to win. They, they you know, Sexton has, is the guy who's, Really shown he can contribute in the league. So I think I think the trade that makes the most sense would be Sexton, Prince, and Osman for Ben Simmons, and then you know basically at that point Love has no place on your team. Really, I mean maybe as a backup center or something, but um, and then you're fully committed right to um, Garland, your rookie draft pick. Coro Simmons and Jared Allen as your core with Larry Nance as possibly a sixth man. Now there would be some spacing concerns with with Simmons and Allen, but you know what? You know, I think if you're the Cavs, I could see them taking that gamble, especially if they have questions about wanting to pay Sexton anyway. Um, you know, it could be an interesting swap for both of those teams. Now, the, for the Cavs, there's other options, too. You know, if, if you know, assuming that they may look to break up this backcourt and, and take a guard with this pick, which is, I think, what makes the most sense. You can also kind of kick back the clock, too. You can just, um, you really can kick back the clock, and you can kind of just uh, say, okay, we're going to, we don't want to pay Sexton, so let's just trade Sexton to another team uh, and, and get some assets, get some draft picks. Maybe there's another young player or something. I don't know. Um, you can really just kick back the clock and then, you know, figure everything out down the line. Now, the, the problem with that is if their GM's job is on the line, right, then I don't know how that would go. But, you know, it's an interesting... Interesting idea for sure. The Cavs are going to have some options here, and um, it's definitely something that I kind of have my eye on as we move towards the draft. I feel like something is going to happen with this backcourt, and the Cavs are going to end up getting a guard. So, But you know what? I think it'll be a good thing for the Cavs franchise So, um, because of, again, the defensive questions with that backcourt. You know, if it's not working in Portland with the better established version... How's it going to work here with the Cavs? I, I I think there's some fair questions to, to ask here. And realistically, the Cavs are not going to be probably good next year. So they're going to get an opportunity to add even another piece to this potentially. So we'll see. But that's kind of my thoughts on that. Now, number four. And this is a concerning development for the Eastern Conference. The Toronto Raptors were the team to jump up here into the number four spot. Now, we're very lucky that they did not get the number one pick and get Cade. That is a, that is a good turn of events um, as a fan of another Eastern Conference team. This is scary, and they're, they're, they're as big of a winner as anyone from the draft, from the draft lottery. This is a team I've been saying for a while. I really think they got the short end of the stick last season. I really think they got just a really unfavorable, unfair, if you will, draw. They played fairly late into the bubble. I mean, they were in a game seven of the semis. Then they had to, right before the season, like a month before the season started, they had to pack up and just move everything to Tampa. You know, couldn't even be in, in the country they're usually in, couldn't be in their city. They had to just pack up and move. I mean, so you don't think that could have had a negative impact on that team 
and and that team's really, and and I'm sure Tampa were, were were good hosts for them, but it's like, man, that's a tough that's a tough ask. And then they had some COVID problems. I know I know they weren't you know they they had like that you know the, Nick Nurse was out for a while and they were just decimated at one point with with, the, with COVID. So really uh, a lost season for the Raptors, and this is the team that you know. I really think there's going to be a course correction here, and their talent is is a playoff team. Now, I, do I love Pascal Siakam as a player? No, I think he's pretty overrated. Jalen Brown, um, pretty much destroyed him when the Celtics played them in the playoffs a couple years ago, in 2020 in the bubble. I mean, the Celtics pretty much destroyed. Like, yeah, that was a seven game series. On the other end, if OG Ananobi hadn't hit that crazy three in game three. The Celtics would have gone up 3-0. So, and the Celtics beat them without without Gordon Hayward. Like, I just, and, and Brown and Tatum obviously weren't necessarily what, they, what they're going to be next year either. Um, they've developed more since, but. So it's just, but even then, you know, Siakam's a good player. He's not a great player. And Fred Van Vliet, you know, good player, not a great player. Um, OG Ananobi, helpful piece. Is he a great player? No. So they don't have, Toronto doesn't have that guy. And to the, the fear of everybody else, Toronto now has a chance to select that guy with this pick. And it's an easy call for them too. It's a very easy decision. All they have to do is see who falls between Mobley, Green, and Suggs, they can take whoever's left, and whoever they pick is going to be a great fit for them. If it's Mobley, which I don't think it will be, I feel like the Rockets are taking him, but if it were to be Mobley, if it were to be Mobley, then great. That that was the... Uh, I mean, that was the biggest need for Toronto last year. That, that was maybe the biggest on-court reason why they did take that step back. Their center play. They, you know, Gasol was pretty, and Mark Gasol was pretty ineffective in the playoffs for them um, against Boston. But, you know, he's gone. You know, he left. Serge Ibaka, who was really effective in the playoffs, left for the Clippers. He, he's obviously hurt this year, but he'll be back next year, and I'm sure he'll be... Uh, He'll be a key part of the Clippers team, and then they they so they sign Aaron Baines, who did not have a good year. I like Baines. I I just think it probably wasn't a good fit for him for whatever reason. Maybe he's getting a little older, stuff like that. Um, and they had Chris Boucher, who did play well, and you know is a good you know bench player sign up long term, and Kem Birch. Who's you know kind of a backup type they picked up off waivers midseason, but you slot Mobley into that all of a sudden, you know Toronto's weak spot from last year. They've got a core, you know, player in to build with for the future, and that could be the option that you know they could look at and say, okay, let's sign. You know, we could bring back Lowry, bring in this you know hotshot rookie, and like try to win now. I don't think it's necessarily 100% that Kyle Lowry leaves the Raptors. I think there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance he leaves. The the Dallas Mavericks and the uh, Miami Heat are definitely going to be possibilities for him, as well as maybe some sign-in trades. Those are tricky to put together, but I don't think it's a total given he leaves the Raptors, though. I, I really don't. I could easily see them saying, like, hey, let's continue this for another year. He's a franchise legend. Um, you know, they're probably going to be a good team next year. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Um, especially if they were, if they were to end up with Mobley. Um, but the two guards, which is probably, they're probably going to get whoever's left between the guards. My guess, and this is just a guess, is it'll be Suggs. But it could be Green too, who knows. My guess is though, it's going to be Suggs. And really that could be like the ideal off-ramp for the Lowry tenure. Um, if Lowry does leave, having a guy like that to plug in 
to that spot is a big deal for Toronto. And then they can kind of go spend their cap space to, to upgrade their team another way. You know, whoever the best, you know, center is out there, you know, they can go, uh, they can go make that move. So, you know, that could be, uh, that could be interesting for them. So, yeah, I mean, Toronto is a scary situation. It's a scary situation, and you know you trust the general manager to make the right call. Masai Ujiri is very good at what he does. This is the team that is going to be threatening for the top six in the East next year. Obviously, you're going to have... Um, for sure, you're going to have probably Boston, Miami, Brooklyn... Boston, Miami, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, in whatever order. I feel good about those four. Then Philly, man, I don't know what the hell is going to happen to the Sixers, but I guess with Embiid, you could pencil them in. I don't know. And then you have Atlanta, and then you have Toronto, and it's like, you know, they're going to be right in that mix. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens. Um but this Raptors team, and they're coached by Nick Nurse. He knows what he's doing. Like it's going to be a team to fear. It really will be. And uh, I'm a little nervous. What's going on down there? Um, for sure. Now, number five. Uh, I think this is a pretty easy pick too. Um, this is the Magic. They are kind of a loser because they didn't get a top four pick. But at the same time, they did get the the Bulls pick to convey. So you know that's a good development for them. Um, number eight overall. So they're going to have a couple of picks here. I think trading up could be a possibility if there's somebody they really love. Um, but they're in an advantageous position because they can take Jonathan Kaminga here. And Kaminga is, you know, that last prospect that, you know, it, everybody says is a five-player draft. Well, Kaminga is that fifth player. So they can, you know, it's a pretty easy pick if they want it here and and he he's kind of he's someone who can definitely get you buckets from the forward spot which is you know something they need for sure so i think that could be easy with number eight you know they could go any number of directions with that it is a team very early in a rebuild um They've got some pieces like Jonathan Isaac and, and Markel Fultz. And, um, and you know, their centers, Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. We don't know what's going to, what they're going to do in the NBA, really. And then you have RJ Hampton. I mean, so they really are in the early stages. And Terrence Ross is a piece that, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he got traded at some point. So. We'll see, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. There's any number of directions you know the Magic could go. It'll just be best player available for them in that number eight spot. So, but they do get that pick from the Bulls. The Bulls, obviously, you know, like look, Nikola Vucevic is good, and I love that trade when it happened. But for them to fall back to the point they're conveying this number eight pick and they still have to throw another pick at the magic the magic might have won that deal by a decent amount the way things have panned out here you already have for chicago i'll just talk about this for a second they they've given they're giving up the number eight pick this year and then you have you know you have to take an honest look at what that team is going to do next year the east is deep now the East is very deep. Like, are the Bulls going to be a top eight team? I like their team. I actually really like their team. But the problem is, are they really going to be top eight? That's a hard sell. There's a lot of good teams. I feel good that they're not going to be, uh, you know, bottom three. Or something like that, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. And and then you have the Levine question. Levine could leave. This is maybe the best case scenario Simmons trade, by the way. 
is if is if Levine is if the Bulls get panicky with the Levine situation and say like, hey, Philly, we'll send you Levine for Simmons, and then we'll kind of reset the clock a little bit. Vucevic could fit with Simmons as a shooter, as a shooting five, and then we're just gonna we're just gonna reset the clock here. But yeah, I you know. It looked to me when that trade was first made that, oh, the Bulls are going to be a frisky, interesting team in the East, you know, for a little bit here. But now it's like, man, they might have made a win their, a win now move a little too early. You know, they might have been a team that should have been doing what the Magic did, trading Levine off. And going for the rebuild. Which again is a hard sell, but like being pragmatic about it, I just you know, I like their team. I think it's a good team. I think it could be a good team. But the problem is there's a lot of good teams. The East is deep now. And it's hard to put them in that top six. So we'll see, but yeah, Orlando will you know. They're gonna they're gonna have a chance if they can draft well to get their rebuild off on solid footing here, um, and obviously if if Levine does leave, that second uh, first round pick is going to be uh, is going to loom large. That that could be a disaster for for the Bulls. That could be just be an absolute disaster. So then with the number six pick, we have probably the biggest loser of the lottery. And that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now look, the Thunder are going to be fine. The Thunder are going to be fine. They have like three first-round picks a year for like the next five years. They're for, for like the next five or six years. They're going to be just fine. No question about it. They will. They will be fine. They they are just they just have a stockpile. It's crazy. They're going to be able to do a lot of things with it. They're going to be able to keep accumulating more as we move forward here. Because they're going to be able to take on salary and, and do things like that. They pretty much strip their roster to the to the bone. But they're going to be able to do their, you know, salary thing, you know. They obviously did the Kemba trade. Um, and then in a year, they're probably going to be able to flip Kemba for an even worse contract and another pick. And it's just going to be the cycle that keeps on going until they're ready to win. And, uh, of course, when they pay... Their roster is so stripped down that even when they have to pay Shy Gold to Alexander, they're probably still going to be able to do this. So, but there was a scenario coming in that the Thunder could have two top five picks, and it turns out they have zero. So you have to call them a loser. They'll be fine because of the number of draft picks they have in the future. Something will break right for them eventually, I'm sure, whether it's, you know, a great pick later on or you know lottery luck in a future year or whatever they're going to be fine but in this draft they're not going to get one of the top five players and for a team that that tanked as aggressively as anyone that's got to be a blow um now this spot for them kind of reminds me of like when the Celtics. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Celtics draft when they picked um, Jalen Brown, and they got Jalen with the uh, with the third pick, and was largely seen as a two player draft. And lo and behold, today he's the best player from that draft. What the what the Celtics did was they looked at that second tier, and they identified the right guy to take. And of course, if they'd gone with Jamal Murray, that would have been you know fine too. Jamal Murray's really good, but um, you know Chris Dunn bust, Dragon Bender bust, Buddy Heald, okay. Solid role player. Marquise Chris, bust. 
So they they identified the right guy to take, developed him, and he's you know a star now, and an easily a top twenty NBA player. So, and of course you have, you know, a guy like Sam Presti who, like Danny Ainge, is an elite general manager. So, I can certainly see a scenario here. They're going to have their pick that next tier and they should be able to make the right pick I I would bet on them I think there's a decent chance they're going to be able to make the right pick here find that guy find that next star so all is not lost for the Thunder and one other thing you know wouldn't shock me if they try to move up um, obviously you know whether it's higher in the lottery or whether they look at the 16th pick and the 18th pick and say, let's get up to like 10 or 11 and go from there. They could do something like that with, with their number of with their number of picks consolidating quality, consolidating quantity for quality. Is something I would probably consider if I were them. Now, on court, I think what what this will mean, like if they had gotten two top five picks, if they had gotten, you know, say if they had gotten really lucky and say gotten Kate Cunning or or, or even if they got moderately lucky, say they had gotten. Evan Mobley and, you know, because they need a big. Evan Mobley and uh, Kaminga. They got both of those guys and paired them with Shai Gozanzaga. You could see a scenario where they might have looked at it and said, you know what, we don't have to, like, try to tank next year. We have a core here. Let's try to build, develop them and win. Because they didn't have that luck, they're probably going to be as aggressive tanking next season as anyone. And definitely down the line, look, we're a couple of years away from it, but the future of Gildas Alexander is going to have to come into question. He's a really good player. He's headed into the last year of his rookie deal. If in three years the Thunder are still in this place, considering it's Oklahoma City, you know, they're probably going to have to look at trading him. So that that will be interesting to follow, but um, I would expect them to, to tank pretty aggressively here next year. Sure, they'll try to rehabilitate Kemba. Will they be the absolute worst team in the league? Probably not. Um, especially if, if Shy plays a decent amount. But they're going to tank. No doubt about it. Then we have a seventh pick. This is where it gets interesting. This is Golden State. And we'll talk about them just because uh, of the trade possibilities. Um... I would certainly anticipate, look, if you're the Warriors, you have a window. You have a window with Steph Curry, who is 33 years old and is still lighting defenses on fire. But that window is not going to last long. It's not. You know, as great a shooter as he is, you can't count on a smaller guard really lasting into their late into his late thirties. So the Warriors really have a couple of years here, and the thing is, I don't know if any of their like younger assets are good enough that I would say, okay, this is good enough that I would have this lead my next window. 
Like, none of these guys are, are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who were young when the Celtics, you know, were winning with their free agent acquisitions. And um, none of those guys are uh, are there. They're good players. They could be good players, but it's like Wiseman didn't have the greatest rookie season in the world. It's probably going to take him a little bit. Is he going to find himself before Curry is old and out of his prime? I don't know. Are the seventh pick and the 14th pick going to be that game-changing? Obviously, the seventh pick they got from Minnesota from the dealer trade. I must mention that. Are they really going to going to help you that much before... The Steph era is over. I don't know. So, I don't know if there's going to be an option for a trade. But if the Warriors can package all this, get another star, you know, package it with a Wiggins contract and get another star, I would do it if I were them. I would. Maximize the Steph era before it's gone. As you see in these in these playoffs... The NBA is wide open right now. Everybody is going to pick the Nets next season. Everybody will, I'm sure. Everybody's going to do it. They're going to ignore the injury histories and they're going to pick them anyway. But the injury histories can't be ignored. Kyrie hasn't played in the playoffs, um, hasn't made it through a playoffs healthy without imploding in a half decade. Harden got fat and pulled his hamstring and is in his 30s now. KD's had you know surgery on his Achilles, and is headed into his mid thirties. You know LeBron has had crazy longevity, but LeBron didn't have the injury history like this. So yeah, I mean things could break their way, but things could also really not break their way. You can't just pen them in. It's you know, is a team that's going to win. And, you know, this is not the Warriors from 2017 and 2018. So if you're Golden State, I really would try to maximize this while you've got it. Because Wiseman, the 7th pick and the 14th pick, is not alone going to, you know, be this next great era of Warriors basketball. Sure, you don't have to trade all of it. But I would certainly look at deals to get better now. What names make the most sense? I don't know. That's the tricky part. I don't know, to tell you the truth, what names are going to make the most sense for them. And certainly an option is, if they want to get some young legs off the bench... They could just look at it and say, you know what? We believe in Wiseman. We think he's going to be a lot better next year. We want to keep him. We, we want to keep him as our starting center, and we're going to see how it goes. We like a guy we could get to. I think if they'd stay at seven, a guy like Davion Mitchell could be a great fit for the Warriors. He is is, is a 22-year-old guard. He, you know, is seasoned. He's He's... You know, got a lot of college experience. He's got championship experience. And one thing I would look at is, um, you know, obviously he's an older prospect, so, like, he wouldn't need as much development. He could development. He's more of a finished product right away. And if you plugged him in as a third guard, he seemed, his game seems a little Marcus Smart-ish. You know, like, he's someone who is defensively just a monster and all that stuff. He'd fit in well as a third guard. That would make some sense to me if the Warriors decide to keep number seven. And then obviously number 14, they'll take it over. They could just opt to use this to build depth and strength in their bench because their bench was very weak last year. And, and and you still have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson if Klay Thompson comes back healthy. You still have a great trio. So if you build up the depth around them, and, you know, Wiggins, for all of his faults, Andrew Wiggins has, you know, fit well enough as the small forward that, like, you know, 
Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, Wiseman could be pretty good if you have, you know, with these lottery picks coming off the bench. Could make sense. I'm just saying, this is their window to make a deal. They shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't necessarily, uh, make one to make one, but they should definitely look at their options. So, let's check, uh, let me check what other, what else we've got. So, we went, went over number eight already. Number nine, Sacramento, um, that's, uh, again, one of the bleaker situations in the league. Uh, I definitely think De'Aaron Fox asking out of there has got to be seen as a ticking time bomb at this point. Like, I don't see a path, really a path to them winning before he asks out. I mean, they, they keep getting around like the ninth, 10th pick of the draft. They picked Halliburton 12th last year. Like, I just don't know, uh... I just don't know um, how they get better unless they just really hit on somebody or really get some lottery luck one year. I mean, they need a guy. They really need a guy. This is the longest playoff drought in the league, and it really looks like it could get bleaker. It really looks like it could get uh, it could get pretty bleak for the Kings. Um, And there's just potential, you know, smart trades they could have made. Like, they could have moved Harrison Barnes for future stuff to try to, you know, take a step back and be worse and, and have, a, have a higher pick and all that stuff. But uh, but they seem intent on trying to compete for the eighth seed, and they keep falling short. And this was a really tough spot to be in if, you know, if that's where you are. And I'd anticipate at some point Aaron Fox is going to force their hand because it's like, it's like, what do they have? You know, they have Buddy Heald, who's a, an overpaid shooter. They have Harrison Barnes, who's a, a solid veteran role player. Marvin Bagley is a bust, and that was really their chance. You know, the Marvin Bagley year, that was just awful. That was just awful. I mean, the, the Mavs... Um, you know, end up moving up for, for Doncic. If, the, if they had taken Doncic, they'd be fine. The Kings would be fine. The Kings would be a playoff team now, probably. But because they're the Kings, they take Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley is not not that good, <laughs> and um, just a, a major with. At least with like Phoenix, you can look at it and say, okay, DeAndre Ayton is not a top two player in the draft, but he's really good. He's a really good fit for us, so we can defend that pick. Now, especially with his success in the conference finals and in the playoffs this year, what a what a tip in last night! What a, what an alley oop last night at the end of the game there. Well, it wasn't really a tip in; it was a it was an alley oop slam. But what a play by eight in there! So at least you can look you know look at that. If you're the if you're the Hawks, you can say like, okay, we messed up; we didn't take the right player. But at least we, at least we got another pick out of it, and we got the second best player. So you can at least spin it if you're the Hawks, kind of. But the Kings, my God, my God, <laughs> like what? What it is? What a disaster! You know, I don't know. I just don't know what their path is. They're going to have to find a way with this pick that really hit on someone, or De'Aaron Fox is not going to stay with that team. Um, so then number 10, the Pelicans. Um, obviously, we're now into just teams that, that just didn't move up. The, the latest team to move up was the 7th place Raptors going up to number 4. So then you have uh, you know the, the Pelicans, another team in a very precarious situation, um, Questions about how Brandon Ingram and Zion fit. They've got potential uh, cap issues. Um, 
I think they're probably going to try to keep Lonzo Ball, which would make sense. Lonzo, everybody's acting like Lonzo Ball's out of there. I don't really know why Lonzo Ball seems to fit really well with Zion. You know, because he's a guy who can move the ball. He can catch and shoot. If you're going to put the ball in Zion's hands, Lonzo seems like a really good option to put next to him. The problem is the Eric Bledsoe, really in particular the Eric Bledsoe contract, but also the... uh, Steven Adams' contract, really, um, neither one is a great fit for the team, and both kind of clock in the cap a little bit. So, it's a bit of a tough spot if you're the Pelicans. Um, so, wouldn't would not surprise me. They've got some future picks. They're not as valuable as, like, the Thunder's picks, the Thunder have just an absolute stash from like a bunch of teams and they're like good picks. The Pelicans picks are like, yeah. The Lakers picks are interesting if you think LeBron is gonna eventually leave an eighty, who knows? And there there's a there's definitely an expiration point on that. So the Lakers picks they have are kind of interesting. The Bucks picks, uh Especially if they win the title this year, Zion seems like, I mean, not Zion. Especially if the Bucks win the title this year, Giannis seems like a guy who's just going to probably just stay there for most of his career. I mean, there's no point in necessarily going to ring chase if you've already won, right? And if Giannis is a loyal guy anyway, you're not getting Giannis out of there if they win, I don't think. So, um, those picks will probably not be that good. But they have some stuff that they could attach to Bledsoe's contract, get a team with cap space to take it. That's a path I would definitely think, uh, I definitely think there's a decent chance they go down um, in order to keep Lonzo Ball there. And Josh Hart as well. Um, and, and then beyond that, they'll hope that a new coach and, and some other stuff you know, helps with that. I know Ingram has been mentioned as the trade candidate, but they're really going to have to get some good stuff back to move him. Um, he is still a dynamic perimeter scorer, which is a good thing to have with Zion on your team. Um, even, even if it's not a perfect fit, I wouldn't sell low on Brandon Ingram, unless you, you'd have to get a lot back. So then you have... Um, Obviously, with their pick, it'll probably just be uh, best player available. Then you have um, number 11. We're starting to get into play-in teams now. You have the Hornets. Um, again, just probably, uh, you know, with LaMelo, their team's interesting. Um, potential East playoff team next year if things break right for them. Um their big offseason need is going to be the five. Um, I don't, but I don't know if they're going to look for that here versus, uh, you know, just free agency. You might see them try both. You might see them honestly try both getting, you know, a center in it because they really, I think they need really, really their whole center rotation needs an overall. So wouldn't surprise me if they took one in the draft if there's one here that they like and uh, try to go after a free agent to start. That would make some sense. I've heard Daniel Tice's name collect, uh, connected to them. That would make some sense with the with the Hayward connection with the Celtics. And and Rozier connection with the Celtics, for that matter. That would make sense. Um, so then you have number 12. That's the Spurs, right? Yep, the Spurs. Um, the Spurs are on a, another team just in a really tough spot. Like... They have a bunch of good players, but they don't have a great player. And I don't know what their path to getting one is. Um, This is a team that really, as much as anyone could have used, that jump up into the top four. Because this is definitely a team that needs a jolt. They have some okay young players. They have a bunch of them, actually. I just don't know. I just don't know what their path is. And eventually, 
I know they've probably been trying to compete with Popovich until he retires, but when Popovich retires, this is definitely a franchise that probably should look at a, a longer, you know, more in-depth rebuild. Um, as far as their pick here, obviously, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. They could really go in a lot of different directions. Um, no Aldridge next year, no Rudy Gay next year. Potentially no DeRozan next year. Um, they've got a lot of cap space. Obviously, you know, a step towards the more of that rebuild might just be if they let DeRozan go and then they decide to use their cap space to take take on uh take on contracts for assets. That would make that could make some sense. But uh And the Spurs have traditionally been a good drafting team. I mean a lot of their draft picks have turned out to be you know, good NBA players, which is not necessarily easy to do, but it's just hard, hard to find those superstars, and the Spurs just haven't picked high enough to really, really bank on that. Um, so they'll take their next crack here with this pick, but it's going to be hard to do. It will be hard to do. Uh, so then you have Indiana. Obviously, number 14 was Golden State. We already covered them. Indiana, number 13. This is another team that is just a lot of blah, a lot of 10 to $20 million contracts, a lot of mediocrity, a lot of good, solid veteran players that could really help a good team, but there's really no difference maker here. Sabonis is a good player, but other than that, you know, Sabonis is, uh, he's, he's like, like if, if, if I made an all-star, like, projected all-star teams next year. Sabonis is like the sort of guy I'd probably have on like the a B team, a B all-star team. Not the A team, not but but probably like the B team. And he's on a great contract. So he is a piece you can really build around. But you know, the mix in Indiana there, you know, again, this is the team that when the East was a little weaker, they could be a 4 or 5 seed with this team. And of course, they had Oladipo too, and all that stuff. They could be a four or five seed with this team, but now the Oladipo thing has kind of run out, and they had a lot of injuries last year, and their coaching situation was a disaster, and they ended up uh, falling out of the playoffs, in, into the play-in, and they didn't make it. But like, you look at the teams next, you know, that are. You look at the teams that are in the East next year. And it's just like, I don't know where the pace just slot in. I don't know how they how they move up, especially if they have continue to have this kind of this mediocre mix of players. Even if they hire a better coach, I just don't know what their path up is. So it's a really tricky situation because like the Pacers are a team that doesn't like to tank. They are kind of just you know, except for the couple of years with Paul George, which required hitting big time on a tenth overall pick. They're kind of just, uh, okay. They're kind of just there. You know, maybe they'll get, you know, a lower rung playoff seed. But, uh, they've had to rely on, you know, great traps, you know, steals in the draft and great trades and stuff like that. And, um, it's a tough spot for them. It really is. Because there's just not a lot of paths, you know, forward besides just chasing chasing the 8 seed, or chasing the 10 seed, or whatever it ends up being. So, this is definitely a team that I think in the trade market could shake some things up. This is, obviously, I told you T's Simmons scenario to the Cavs, which I really like, and I'm, I'm going to agree with him and adopt it. But the one I came up with, and the one I still really like as well, is the Pacers. You know, if you're the Pacers, this is your chance. No All-Star is going to sign with you. You're not going to tank for one. So it's like, how do you get that guy in there? And Simmons is no lock to get back to his old form. But you take a shot on him. And you just see. And this is your chance to take that kind of a gamble if you're the Pacers. And Malcolm Brogdon... And T.J. Warren are a couple of guys who would be great fits with Philly. 
or if if giving up Warren is a bridge too far for you, you know Jeremy Lamb's an expiring contract. So this team has, and Malcolm Brogdon would be a great fit for the Sixers. Still good defensively, while still while adding some playmaking and uh, and shooting and just the stuff, some of the stuff they're missing. Brogdon would be a great fit for a lot of teams though. For the Celtics, I like. I'm ready and raring to go with Marcus Smart as my starting point guard next year. But the one thing that could get me to be open to moving him might be if we could, you know, possibly, you know, take his contract and Tristan Thompson's contract and get a Malcolm Brogdon. So, but I think, I think a Brogdon and a Warren for Simmons trade would accomplish some things for both teams. I do. Because are the Pacers going to, you know, pay to retain everybody when they hit free agency? Probably not. So take your shot. Get this distressed asset that, you know, could potentially rebound and be a, a star player for you if he rebounds. We know he's a great defender. He, he just has his offensive issues. And if he can figure out how to play on offense again, is an interesting thought. As far as the pick, again, it'll be... You know, at this point in the draft, you know, they're going to kind of be reaching the end of that second tier, so they'll take whoever's left. And um, the second tier really does seem to go from, like, pick six to, like, pick 16 or pick 18 or pick 14 or whatever. So they'll have a good, uh, they'll have a couple of good guys to choose from. So, yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun off season. Um Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, obviously, the Celtics don't have a pick, but I'm happy for the reason we don't have our pick. So that's always good, and it'll be fun to see what all these other teams do in the draft. So thank you for listening, and have a great day.